Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Ah, welcome. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assist recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. For the next hour, my guests will be sharing their journey of recovery from the effects of someone else's alcoholism in their family. I'd like to welcome Anne and Bethy to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. 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 <laughs> Thank you very much for coming in. Um, they're both members of Alan Family Groups, and they're going to share their experience of how Alan has helped them um, deal with the effects of alcoholism. So, Anne, I'll start with you. Uh, we usually talk about growing up and things in the family um, and what life was like and how you coped with your family life and your growing up. So what was life like for you growing up? Uh, As a child, I was the eldest of four, and uh, my mother was the eldest, and my father was the youngest. So I was taught from a very early age to be a helper and became very irresponsible. I was um, overactive and uh, always into mischief, so always getting clobbered or um, reprimanded. Um, I was a real tomboy and I was encouraged to be a tomboy and then when I, then I was sent to a ladies college to turn into a lady. I was given allocution lessons because I didn't speak properly, etc., etc. So uh, my parents did lots of things they thought were loving that actually were undermining to my self-esteem. Yep. Uh, so I understand today that they were both affected by the disease of alcoholism in their, in their um, extended families. It's a generational thing. Yeah, okay. So... Um what did did your family function reasonably? Um, well, in those days, it looked like it's pretty similar to everyone else's. <laughs> so, lots of beltings and screaming, yelling and fighting, and but I seem to be relatively happy happy in that situation anyway. So, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Kids accept the situation they're in. Mm. Yeah, they don't really know any difference until you go into the outside world. Yeah, that's when it becomes pretty apparent. Okay, um, so you're a bit overactive. So did that, how did that affect your schooling? I couldn't learn. I, I was very good at maths and obviously I was pretty intelligent because I learnt despite the fact that I couldn't sit still and I was being clobbered all the time for not sitting still and t- having too much to save myself. Um, but, yeah, I had trouble um, yeah, putting two words together really. I couldn't write very much and couldn't read. My handwriting still atrocious today, but today I love to read. So Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, so what about friendships and family? Yeah, well, friendships we mixed with the, the neighbours. had lots of fun with the neighbours' kids, but I didn't mix with anyone at school, really. I, didn't, I don't think I knew how to make friends. I don't really know why. Mm, Very okay. isolated at school. Yeah, okay. Uh, were you anxious? I used to wet my pants all the time, so I probably was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think, I think anxiety grows in alcoholic families. Okay, so what about moving to high school? Did things change? Um, 
Well, I think yes. I think I had more friends in high school, but I was on the on the with the unusual children I hung with. Um, so I remember in Year Seven with the friends that I I hung around with. We used to play horses, and we were the horses galloping around the uh, the oval yeah. at lunchtime. Like this is twelve, thirteen year old, so it's a bit yeah. odd compared with the others. I think. <laughs> <laughs> did people laugh at you? Oh, probably. I'm yeah. sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so not being able to read at school must have made life very difficult for you. Yeah, it was very hard, very mm. very difficult. But I was good at talking, so I seemed to. I think I got away with a lot because I was good at, at verbalizing stuff. Okay, yeah, good skill. Yeah. Okay. Um, so leaving leaving school, leaving secondary school, then what did you go on to do? I became a teacher. Oh, wow. That's a big step. <laughs> it sounds a bit strange things I couldn't read very well. I don't really know how I got through teachers' college. Yeah. So was that a battle? A struggle, uh, I mean? I don't, well, I didn't get very high scores or anything, but I certainly um, um, enjoyed it. Yeah. In fact, I loved, I loved children, loved teaching, loved working with kids, so yeah. it was perfect for me. Yeah, perfect fit. Yeah, mm. okay. Um, so doing that then and sort of... Um, Moving out of school, moving into teaching, what was what was your social life like? Given you are a bit isolationist. Well, I, was, I did have friends by that stage. I think as I got older, I got a few friends. So we did a lot of partying. But the people I mixed with, I, I discovered later on in life, I had, had, well, still today have drinking problems. Yeah. So you know, not that I have a drinking problem, but I certainly got stuck into the alcohol when I was a teenager. Yeah. You know, and uh, I didn't like the taste, so I used to hold my nose and skull. <laughs> so I got very sick lots of times. But I had no trouble not touching it again either if I chose not to. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so what about relationships then? No relationships. I had. Uh, I think the longest relationships with boys were like three months, and I don't really know why they ended. I could never figure out why they lasted three months, and that's it. And I used to feel I had very low self-esteem. I thought I was ugly and and bad and um, not wanted. From that background of origin, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Constant criticism. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, well, swap over to you, Bethy. Um, so, growing up for you, what was life like? Probably, I'd say dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, I'm the eldest of three, and we were all separated early into different homes, family homes. <clears throat> Pretty unhappy, but I survived. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So splitting. So all your siblings were split to different places. Was that mm. right? So where did you go? I went to live with my grandparents, and uh, my other sister went to live with my father, and my younger sister lived with our auntie. Okay. So what was it like at your grandparents? Was it better? It was wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. We had. Um, I had. I learned. Went into heavy swimming. I used to train every day, and uh, we had ballet, opera, arts. Reading poetry, playing the piano it was just like just wonderful. Sounds wonderful. idyllic. It was, it was <laughs> fairyland. Yeah. So, what age did you move into with your grandparents? Uh, nine. Nine. Okay. Mm. And how long did that last? Only till I was uh, thirteen, around about thirteen and a half. Yep. And then I moved back to my mother's. Why did you move back? Well, I was sent back. Oh, okay. Mum wanted us back. Oh, okay. By then, yeah. Right. Mm. Were your pa- grandparents happy with that? Um, no, I don't think so. We used to keep in touch pretty heavily. I used to write all the time and uh, I used to cry a lot. 
because um, yeah. I miss them. Yeah. So did it mean moving suburbs? Oh, yes, moved into state. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Mm. Gosh. It was a big move. Big move, yeah. So 14, so you must have gone to a new high school. Yes, co-ed. Oh, First okay. time I'd seen a lot of boys, yeah. um, and having them in the same classroom, I was absolutely horrified. Um, Why was that? Well, I never had much to do with them. Okay. Um, they were just like aliens, um, right. just boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teenage boys. Yeah. <laughs> I should identify. <laughs> um, so did you enjoy high school? No. No, I didn't stay long. I was only there not more than... Well, I left before I was 15 and um, I always wanted to be a teacher, actually, and uh, instead of that I thought, well, you have to go to college. So the next avenue was nursing, so I went down straight away um, at that young age and sat for the nurse's entrance exam at the courthouse, passed it, and had to wait till I was 17 to take up nursing. Right. Which I did. Which is a couple of years. Mm. So what did you do? Well, I went nursing and... Uh, no, but what did you do in the in the interim? Oh, in the, yeah. oh, I went to a packing shed and packed fruit. Right. A uh, really wonderful job. <laughs> but, uh, that's all I thought I could do. My self-esteem was a bit low. Okay, right. Um, so what about friendships? Did you... No. No. No, no. no. Stayed to myself. Okay. And... Living with your mother, was that enjoyable? Uh, no, it was very difficult. Yeah. We didn't, um, well, I didn't spend many years with her when you work it out. Yeah. Um, but no, I was very unhappy. Okay. Um, so when you went nursing then, did you obviously enjoyed nursing. Yeah, I loved my nursing. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> so, but the training must have been difficult given you hadn't done a lot of education. Ah, uh, but I was stubborn. So right. um, I knew I had to study harder than anybody else, so yeah. I did. Yeah. <clears throat> and while the others were running around having fun and going out, um, I stayed and studied. And, in fact, I topped most of the exams for a couple of years. Right, mm. okay. That's... Nothing else to do but study. That's right, yeah. Mm. People don't realise that it's it's a lot of hard work. Mm. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so um, so what about, did you have any relationships while you were training to be a nurse? No. No? No. Okay. So when did the relationships start? When you started nursing? In a way. I never seemed to make friends. Um, they were more acquaintances or people I just mixed with, that was about all. Yeah. So, no, I didn't didn't have any. Okay. None right. that I can count on the hand. Okay, right. Um, so how about you then, Anne, about relationships sort of, um, you know, once moving, Teachers College must have been a, an explosion of new people and opportunities. It was fun. Yeah. So what was that like? I'm trying to think whether there were men there. I, can't, I think we might have just had all women in those days. I forget now. There weren't many men, that's for sure, in teaching. But um, but I, by then I was doing lots of socialising with friends that um, that came from drinking families, which I didn't realise. I mean, I knew they were drinking, but I didn't realise they were problem drinkers back then. And mm. so when I would stay at their place, there was no supervision, so we'd be nicking off all over the place to the city on the train, all sorts of things where my parents were thought I was safely at their yeah. house because <laughs> my parents always drove me to any, like the dancers, that's yeah. life and whatever, yeah. to the city, all the yeah. places to go and pick me up afterwards. Yeah. Whereas at the friend's place, we just got off on the train and went wherever we liked. So 
I met a few people and had a few relationships along the way, um, but yeah, very short lived. I just, um, I didn't, I just didn't think I was worthy of, or didn't think anyone wanted me really. Yeah, the opposite, opposite sex. Yeah, I thought at nineteen, I when met my husband, I thought I was going to be left on the shelf. I was so worried about being left on the shelf at nineteen. It's crazy when you think wow. about it. Wow, yeah, <laughs> crazy Incredible. to yeah. think about it now. Yeah. So I met him at um, through my um, my brother. My brother worked with his mate. So I met him where he lived. There were six blokes living in a, in a flat. And I had my girlfriend with me. She said, oh, he's near good, he's near good looking. I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I like him because someone said he was good looking. You know, big drinking problem way back then, which I was unaware of. Yeah. Oblivious to. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, um, we might take a short break. You don't have a million dollars and still want to have a good education for your kid? Tune into the Dogs Program. We are the defenders of government schools. 12 p.m. on Saturdays here on 3CR. 855 and AM Dial podcast streaming live on 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We defend government schools because they need it. Um, You're listening to The Living Free Show on 3CR. 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, if you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then head to your preferred podcast platform on 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. Uh, you'll also find out details about the Living Free Show and how to contact us. Um, I'm talking with Anne and Bethy, and we're talking about recovery from the family disease of alcoholism uh, with the help of Alan and family groups. Um, so, Anne, um, we sort of finished off talking about um, socialising in your late teens and I think you talked about establishing a relationship with your future husband so how did that go? That was very interesting I think well what I did I think was chased I chased until I caught <laughs> right. the partners that I had um, in at that age and um, and uh, because of my over responsibility and and um, what else controlling and organizing skills I think I was a good catch for this particular <laughs> husband, husband number one. Um, so he lived in a unit with six mates and they had a big collection of uh, bottle tops in the corner that was full, this box, and they used to spend a lot of time at the pub next door. Uh, and often when I would go to see him, that's where he'd be and I'd have to get him out of there to come yep. wherever we were going. And uh, and if if we were going out, uh, if we were going somewhere, or he would come to my place after we'd been he'd been to the pub. He was always late, and sometimes had blood on him from fights. <laughs> but even then, I didn't get that he had a problem. <laughs> so, did you drink with him? Um, I don't know if I drank. My yeah, I still was drinking a little bit at that stage. But I think I eventually got turned off alcohol mm. because it was just he was just drunk. All the time. He was drunk. Not that I realised it was a problem because my father said to me way back then when we were getting engaged, you know, do you really think this is a good idea because he drinks a lot? And I thought, oh, silly old bugger, so do I. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I didn't drink in the same way. I mean, I drank to get drunk, but I didn't do it all the time and I could choose not to, which I eventually did choose not to. Yeah, I could moderate. I could have two, I could have ten, I could have whatever I felt like. Yeah, okay. Um. So you got married? <clears throat> yeah, we got married. Like I trapped the poor man, yeah. and um, and we and we uh, built our own home, and we lived with my parents for the first six months, and um, 
things were sort of fairly happy, even though he was coming home late and stuff. We were still pretty happy at first. Then I um, decided to have a first baby and pregnancy is not very pleasant when you get morning sickness and you're working and your husband's not coming home at night till late. <laughs> so I got crankier and crankier and um, I guess uh, this honeymoon period ceased and then he just started to be away more often and spend more money on alcohol and uh and over the years, just gradually worked less and less. We had four children, and by the time I got to Alan, on um, you know, was struggling financially, and I was working and managing the home and doing everything, and he was having a lovely time. I thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so another thing that often happens in alcoholic families is <clears throat> disagreements. So were there a lot of disagreements in your place? Yes, so heaps. Of, we just were constantly fighting and um, yelling, and it was uh, probably all my fault when I think back, or not all my fault, but a lot of my fault because I would attack him as soon as he came in the door because he was never home when he's supposed to be, and I would be saying, "Where have you been?" Well, it was bloody obvious where he'd been because he could hardly stand up. He'd either knock the gate off the hinges, or was you know staggering in the door. So there was no need to even ask that question, and so he'd be ready because I was obviously going to be fuming. He'd be feeling guilty, so he'd be ready to. Um, attack back so we'd be yelling and screaming and carrying on and these poor little kids were um probably hiding who knows keeping away from the the noise yeah whatever else might happen yeah so were you scared uh i wasn't scared right then but i was scared i was scared to go too far yeah like i just went so far and no further just in case yeah okay because i know he was volatile and he had hurt other people at times so yeah it's very wary Okay. Um, so what about blackouts? Did your husband have blackouts? Yes, he had blackouts. Um, not that I knew what they were mm. until I went to Al-Anon, but he, was, he would often do things in the night and have no recollection of them the next day. I remember coming out one morning and all the cutlery drawers had been upended. I mean, I knew it had been done during the night, but I didn't go out to have a look. Yep. And when I said to him in the morning, this is what you did, he just looked at me as I was making it up. He had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things I learned doing the show, talking to alcoholics about the fact that they regularly, frequently are in blackout and that's what I couldn't understand with my father, that he would do things. The next day I could not understand how he could live with himself having done that and I realised he was probably in a blackout every night. No yeah. idea. Yeah, no mm. idea, yeah. Um, so as he worked less and you worked more, were there any disputes about money? Oh, disputes about money all the time. In the very beginning, my husband uh, earned quite a bit of money. We were very comfortable. Uh, and, of course, the more you drink, you know, the less physically able you are to work. He was a bricklayer, so it was hard work. Mm. So he, could, he couldn't do that as um, consistently as he got older. So, you know, there's less money. But we still had to save the same or more for alcohol. You know, you couldn't have less for alcohol. So that came first in the budget. Yep. <clears throat> so I was stressing and complaining. And so he'd be threatening to take over the money. And if I, I knew if he took over the money, we'd have none. Yeah. So that was stressful. So I had to sort of watch out, probably shut my mouth and not say anything about that. So I went to work. And so the less he worked, the more I worked. And we had four kids by then. So it was, you know, hard yakka, you know, organising the house, looking after kids and... and Working mm. and I was studying as well some of the time because I was updating my, you know, um, qualifications. Okay, right, Bethy, over to you. Um, so relationships. So you eventually got married, but yeah. you must have met somebody first. Yes, he, <laughs> he was a bloke. <laughs> um, yes, I did meet him. Uh, I met him socially um, in 
I don't know. It could have been a football. I don't can't remember. Yeah. And uh, but it was a good way to get away from home. So I thought I'll marry this bloke, which I did. And then, unfortunately, um, he. I thought he was just a heavy drinker, but the violence that ensued in the marriage was horrible. And as you were talking about the blackouts, he wouldn't remember the next day, but I'd have, you know, busted ribs or busted nose or whatever, and he'd have no idea that he'd done it. Mm. But I <clears throat> stuck it out for five years and I had two children. Um, so after... I thought I'd never, ever have anything to do with anybody that drank. That's mm. it. Because <clears throat> I, I used to have perhaps a sherry at Christmas or yep. Sunday lunch. You might have a small beer, but yep. I couldn't understand this alcoholism. Or well, I didn't know he was an alcoholic. No, I no. I didn't know that until no, I came to Eleanor. Yeah. That's the thing. People don't understand that <laughs> it is a disease. If you have one drink, the allergy kicks in. You've mm. got to keep on drinking. Mm. Um, and the um, eventually the... The compulsion you feel yeah. you have to have the first drink, and therefore yeah. that starts the cycle again. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so working as a single mum with two kids must mm. have been a hard life. Well, uh, it was, but at least I was safe. Yeah. Um, we were pretty poor most of the time, but um, I went out and got a um, Grace Brothers um, credit card in those days, and I used to buy the children's clothes on that and pay it off. Yeah. And then the next season it arrived and I'd get them the next season's clothes and pay it off and so that's how we lived. Yep. So we didn't go without. They had all their sports and what have you. But um, And because I wouldn't say to either one of them a fault with their father, um, their relationship with him I thought would be okay. But he never bothered to see them, never mm. bothered to come or he'd ring up and say, I'm going to come and see them and wouldn't turn up mm. and all this sort of thing. Okay, um, so how did life progress? Well, I went to a. Um, I knew I couldn't keep doing three jobs. I was doing, you know, day work, night work, and paying babysitters all the time. So, uh, in, in fact, my daughter one day I went to answer the knocked on the door to pick her up, and she said, "And who are you? <laughs> we don't talk to strangers," and closed the door. So that's how much they saw of me. So I went and did a course. Um, there was a thing going called, or some typing thing going. So I went and did that and applied for jobs through them. And I got a job um, where I met my second husband. Right. Well, well Prince Charming arrived, I thought. Yeah. Um, perfect. Perfect. You know, big, lovely, lovely man. Um, but he also bought with him a dozen cartons of bloody grog and all the rest of it and... I was back in another alcoholic relationship, which I just thought he was still a heavy <clears throat> drinker. Yeah. thought it was normal to be like that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people who do. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of people who just drink like that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So how long did that last? 30 years. Whoa. 30 years. Um, he's since passed um, due to the disease. Um, but, uh, yes, 30 years, because he was a gentle giant of a man and kind and the kids loved him, um, but unfortunately, even though all the love in the world, um, money just wasn't there. We lost our home, we lost our car, our business, everything, through alcohol. No matter what I... He couldn't work then by that stage. He'd had a cerebral hemorrhage. 
And so I was the only one working. And so just say I earned $1,000, 800 went on alcohol. Yeah. And I still couldn't see it. Didn't yeah. think he had a problem. Yeah. You know, I had the problem. Yeah. I think that's part of the denial. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think so. That we just don't want to see yeah. what, what's in front of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did that affect your family? The children? Mm. Well, my son um, is not a drinker, really. He can, I think he has a drink on his day off or whatever. Uh, but my daughter must have affected her, or, uh, well, how, how do we know? Yeah. yeah. But she ended up uh, a really bad alcoholic, um, which I didn't pick up. I should have known in her teens because she used to come home from school functions and I could smell the alcohol on her. Yeah. And I'd say, you've been drinking. Oh, we only had a drink. And I believed her. Yeah. I mean, I'm so stupid. <laughs> but um, but then that led into drugs as well. And so we had the combination of the of the two. Yeah. Uh, which is what led me to Al-Anon, finally. Yeah. And for a young woman, that's disastrous. It's very yeah. risky business. Well, it yeah. is. Yeah. You know? um, but thank goodness her um, social worker... Suggested that I go to Elnon, and I thought, <coughs> oh, if I go to Elnon, they're going to cure her. Everything's going to be lovely. And it wasn't like that. No, no, no. I got cured. Yeah, had no impact on her recovery. No, she's wonderful. Yeah. she's wonderful. Yeah. She went to her own recovery. Yeah, you know, um, and and has done very well, and is doing well. But going to Elnon um, made me realise that I'd been living with alcoholism for fifty years. And I thought, oh, they're just drinkers. No, they've got a disease. And that made things <clears throat> ever so easy mm. to manage then. Yeah, once you understand the problem. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so, Anne, what brought you to consider getting help? Uh, well, I was getting pretty desperate. I was very unhappy. And um, I loved this man who's so good, he's good looking, <laughs> fickle. Um, <laughs> And I didn't want, I, I, I guess I felt like a failure. I didn't want my marriage to fail. So I decided to seek some counselling. Now, we went to family counselling together and the counsellor suggested that there was very little hope for the marriage. She didn't, gave a year or so of that. And my husband, he just, he wasn't interested in going back again. So then I decided to get counselling for myself. And my counsellor knew about Alan on thankfully and she said to go to 10 meetings for homework. <laughs> and I was desperate for help, so I had to go to my meetings before I'd go back to the counsellor, otherwise, um, you know, she wouldn't see me. I thought, who knows? I was a person who did what I was told in those days. Anyway, fortunately for me, I came to the meetings and and, and got the message of hope <clears throat> very quickly and, and came to realise very quickly that if I uh, looked after myself and, and focused on myself, then I could change my life. Uh, I got the message that the, the, the alcoholism was a disease and my husband couldn't help what he was doing, that he had, had a compulsion that's caused by a physical thing in the brain that um, the, the uh, alcohol, the alcohol uh, creates a compulsion in the, in the brain. So it was a physical thing. So I understood that. That made sense to me. And I accepted that. So then I stopped trying to change him and make him be what I thought he should be because I thought a good little wife would, you know, should fix your husband up. And um, so Alamon gave me the message that I could look after myself. And I was entitled to look after myself. I was entitled to a good life, which I hadn't thought I was. And um, so I got the message to shut my mouth. If I shut my mouth, things might improve. And the first time that happened, I was driving home, driving him to the pub, <laughs> as I did. And, um, and he was telling me how to drive, as he did. 
And instead of reacting to his suggestions, I shut my mouth. And lo and behold, there was no fighting on the way to the pub, which was a first. So that gave me a real insight in the fact that I could find things much more comfortable if I stopped having a say about everything that I didn't need to speak about. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Well, listen, we might take another short break. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. This is The Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm talking with Anne and Bethy, and we're talking about recovery from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Al-Anon family groups. Uh, I'll start with you, Bethy. Um, So coming to an Al-Anon meeting, were you scared? I was terrified, absolutely terrified. Uh, I'm not very good meeting people, and I certainly am not a good communicator, I didn't think. And But my son came with me, and there we trot along. I didn't hear anything that was said. I couldn't remember anything that was said except that they said to come back for six meetings before you make up your mind whether Al-Anon's for you. I thought, I'm in. Yep. There must be some cure for my daughter in <coughs> six meetings. So I kept going for the six meetings. Yeah. So how did you find the meetings? Uh, you know, what, what were they like? Lovely. People are very friendly straight away, and which is strange. Normally, when you're outside Al-Anon, oh, um, in, you in meet the real world, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, they're usually cold until you get to know them, or you know they say you should spend more than five minutes with one person before you have any sort of knowledge of their being. But in Alamon, you get cuddles straight away, phone numbers, people want to help you straight away. It was wonderful. Terrifying. but Terrifying, yeah. So how long did it take you before you could share your story? Oh, well, voluntarily over six meetings, it took me a while, and then it was only a little blurb because uh, I was still nervous telling people the horror stories, you know. But being new... That's what we tend to do. When you go to Elnon, you you give them all the horror stories in Technicolor yep. you know, until you learn the program. So you've been through it, yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm a soldier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a martyr. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so when you were able to share, did that help you put it into perspective? Yes. Well, when after the six weeks and I'd heard everything that everybody said and it was my time to share, like that I was able to share, I should say, it dawned on me that I'd been living with alcoholism, a disease, for over 50 years in yeah. two marriages. Yeah. So that made it easier for me to understand where I was going from there, that it was a disease such as, like in nursing 
could be yeah. diabetes or cancer. Yeah. So you treat it the same. Yeah. Yeah, the and person yeah. didn't want to be infected but no. or have the problem, and but they've got it. Yeah. yeah, so I could have been nicer to them probably. Yes, <laughs> strangely. I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are the things that you did once you started you know, being an Alan member, what sort of things helped well, you? Well, the first thing I did was buy as much literature as I could get yeah. and stick with the program. Reading daily. Before you start your day, if you're reading something positive and trying to apply it to your, to your life, you have a start. It's better than, like you might start with your <clears throat> cup of coffee and the news. Yeah. Who wants to hear the news? Yeah. Um, it's better to read something positive, which we did. I went to meetings um, and now I've got friends um, that understand or have been through and can help me no matter what time of the day or night it is. You yeah. can pick up a phone and you've got a friend. Yeah. So how did it help your relationship with your daughter? Oh, wonderful. You know, we get on <clears> very, very well. And uh, because she has her own program and I have mine, I can't say anything now. She'll say, Mum, you need to go back and read the book yeah. you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's really good, really yeah. good. And so yeah. you can be friends without... Yeah. Yeah. You're detached friends. Yeah, 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 but we've always been very close, very, very close. Mm. It, what it has done is given me a better relationship with my mother Okay. more than anything else, you know. I've learnt that she too um, could only do what she could do with the tools that she had at the time and and so I've learnt to love and understand her and respect the fact that, that she too was unable to do any better than she did. Yeah. <clears throat> thanks to Ellen Long. yeah. Yeah, it's it's good being able to let people off the hook. Mm. Yeah, mm. you feel more. I, I feel more comfortable understanding that they've had their own problems, mm. and I've got mine. And you know, if mm. they want help, they can ask me. But they're probably not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what about you, Anne? How how long did it take you to feel comfortable in Alanon? <clears throat> Um, I think it was relatively quickly. I, I wasn't comfortable sharing for a long time because so I've never been comfortable speaking in front of other people. So that took me a little while, but I just really wanted to be there. And I made a habit of going to two meetings a week when I first started. And um, and I really couldn't not go. I really wanted, I really needed to be there. Whatever. I don't really know what even gave me the first instance, except um, I guess there were people who understood where I was coming from. You know, and they didn't say I'll leave the bastard. They, because um, I still loved the person that I was with, so um, it was good to have people who uh, understood why I felt that way. You know, other people would say, "Why? Well, why don't you sleep? Why do you still love this person?" I mm. don't really know why. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, inexplicable. Was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about your? Um, your well-being and your demeanour, did things change for you in your relationships with other people? Yes. I think um, I, mean, I was always a fairly friendly person had, as an adult and with kids. I had lots of people that I interacted with and was friends with uh, and I got involved with the schools. Uh, because I'd grown up being over-responsible, they always took on lots of jobs. So at the kinder I was on the committee, at the school I was on the, on the committee and with the ballet, I was doing sewing. Like I was always doing something for somebody else. Yeah. It's, um, unfortunately, before I came to Alan, I couldn't say no. So I, I really didn't always want to do the stuff I was doing. But in Alan, I learned to be able to say no if I didn't want to. I can't remember what you asked me. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so, did it help you? Has it helped you to accept life? Yes. Yes. So, so mm. these days, when things happen that I don't like. 
I don't, um, I've, I've still, I get upset, of course. I go, go through the, the normal grieving process people go through, but I am quicker to accept things as they are these days and, and quicker to realise that life is just being life. It's not just doing it to me on purpose and that I can't really change what's happening. So I accept it and I feel the sadness or the anger, whatever I need to feel, and then I just get on with whatever's happening and, and make the most of what I've got. Mm. So what was it like before? Before I used to get so angry, rant and rave and scream and swear and carry on about anything that went wrong that I didn't think should go, that didn't go the way I thought it should go, basically. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we we talked off air, you've been coming for around 30 years or so. So why do you keep coming back? Uh, Well, the Allen program is a philosophy for for living. So if I keep... If I, like if I, I said before about riding a bike, if I keep practising on the bike, then I keep getting better and better. If I go to Al-Anon meetings and keep doing the readings and talking to other people, then I, you know, I keep this uh, way of living. You know, I've seen people stop coming to meetings and then come back after 10 years and they've had been bitter and miserable and, and I just know I don't want to do that. I also love being in the meetings. I love being with the people that I've met over the years and I love the philosophy and that, that positive way of living and I just want to give back to Eleanor because it's given me such a freedom of life. It's given me the ability to um, to live my life um, the way I think it's best to live and to get the most out of life. I'm very comfortable to, today because I've learnt to look after myself. Yeah, so it's gratitude. Mm, definitely yeah. gratitude. Yeah, okay. Um, so what about friendships in Eleanor? Yeah, lots of friendships in Eleanor. And, Eleanor. and um, in, in the district I came, uh, that I come from, We've always had meetings in people's homes, like step meetings and, and um, district meetings and whatever. So um, very early on I got involved with that. And my kids grew up with people, lots of Eleanor people around them, so they've got an extra network of people to um, support them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge friendship circle of people that you can trust because in Eleanor meetings it's, it's uh, confidential, so no one repeats what you what you say and you can feel safe to just really unload what you need to unload to. And, and you also can have a sponsor, which is a, spe- a special close friend in Elmland that you can tell people, tell things to that you wouldn't tell anybody else ever and never get repeated. And really not even necessarily comment on, just someone to listen to you. Mm. That is good. Yep. Um, so, Bethy, Alanon meetings and Alanon in general, I think you, we talked about you being in Alan, you've been in Alanon for three years. Mm-hmm. So, how has it helped you? Change. Oh. Well, when uh, when I first went to Al-Anon, I had no self-esteem. Um, I was quite suicidal and have had been that low that since going to excuse <coughs> me <coughs> Al-Anon, um, that I've been able to find a purpose. I've been able to find a reason to go on and to have something positive every day. Um, there's not a day that doesn't go past that there's not something bad might happen that I can't turn into something much, much better. And if Al-Anon was spread all over the world, it would be lovely. Yeah. And because I've come a long, long way in three years. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Mm. So, and before you were talking about your relationship with your mother improving, mm. so what about relationships in general? Well, I I get along with most people now. I'm becoming a people person, very frightening. Wow! I just hope I don't turn purple. Um, the I just find now that <clears throat> I am able to recognise the fact that I have 
something interesting for people to learn about me yep. and I can learn about them. And I'm worthwhile now. Yeah. But I wasn't before. No. I didn't think I was, I mean. No. No. And you didn't you didn't want to share anything. No. No. You didn't have anything to share. No. Yeah. yeah. No. That's a big change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what about you, Annie? So now looking forward, life, you know, what what sort of things do you want to continue doing? Oh, hmm, I like I like my life. I'm I'm very involved with my family. I've got four kids and I've got eleven grandchildren, so wow. I spend a lot of time with my family. I'm involved in uh, Al-Anon. I do quite a bit of service work. I, I discovered very early on Al-Anon that service work um, gave me confidence <clears throat> and um, built my self esteem, and uh, it's a way of giving back the program. What you've, because my life has just changed so dramatically. It's so good to be able to give something back. And it's another way of meeting more people. You know, if you just, because in the beginning, I was just in my one group or my two groups, which are all pretty much <clears> the same people. Yeah. So getting involved in service means I met lots more people in programs. So I learnt and listened to lots of other people's perspectives and gained more knowledge. So, yeah, f- my future is looking very um, promising um, because, you know, I can I can choose what I want to do. I don't have to be... Like I've got all these kids and grandchildren, I don't have to be doing stuff for them all the time if I don't choose to. Yeah, you can have a life. Yeah, yeah. I can mm. travel, I can, you know, go for walks. I live near the beach and there are a, a creek walks, so I can get out in nature often, which is heavenly. I'm, you know, very fit and well because I've looked after myself because Alan tells me to look after myself. So, yeah, yeah. life's great. Yeah. And what about you, Bethy? Great. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. No, I look forward to every day. Um, and I like Anne. I do service work now as well for Al-Anon to give back what I've received, and I'm very grateful for Al-Anon. Mm. Mm. So, what about other community things? Do you, can you get involved in other things now? Um, well, I have been doing a bit of volunteer work in another area, um, which I enjoyed, but it's not the same. It didn't have the same warmth, the same love. Um, and I certainly didn't make as many friends mm. as what I have now. Yeah, it's mm. funny, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who's been living with an alcoholic for 50 years and doesn't realise it and is a miserable you, life? Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Is your, yeah, have you got my name? Um, <laughs> I'd just say to them to come to Al-Anon and just, even, just to listen for six meetings before they say... It's not for them because mm. there is something there. And mm. all of us that have lived with alcoholism and not knowing what it was and why they have blackouts, can't remember, why you've got no money, why you can't go out with people, Alanon gives you the answers. Yeah, okay. Um, that sort of reminds me of this thing about not being able to go out. So one of the flashpoints in my family was always weddings and family functions. So, and for you, what, what was a, a typical family function day like for you? I used to dread, like I loved to go because I loved to socialise, but I used to dread what he would get up to at the wedding, yeah. at the uh, weddings mm. and socialites. Yeah. I know several times he caused um, altercations with family members, but the best <clears> thing for me, my, my greatest memory, I guess, is I think I'd been around about three years and um, we were at a family wedding and he, my husband was doing um, somersaults on the dance floor thinking he was very clever. Well, he just looked very childish to me, but I didn't feel embarrassed. It was the first time in my life that I, mm. in my marriage to him, relationship with him, that I had not felt embarrassed about his behaviour. I'd actually separated from myself. It wasn't me doing that dumb thing out there. It was him. Mm. So it was a really great um, uh, thing to realise that Alan was actually working big time. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's his actions are his responsibility, mm. not yours. Mm, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And I'd always thought they were. Well, society tends to place it back on the partner or mm. the you know the other partner saying you should be keeping X in in check, and mm. it's like no. Not anymore. Not, not possible anyway. <laughs> not trying anymore. Um, okay. Well, listen, it's almost time. So if anybody's out there and they're interested in contacting Ella and Family Groups, you can call their helpline on 1300 252 666 or go online at Uh So that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Anne and Bethy for joining me today and sharing their Alan Family Groups recovery experience with us. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from a gambling addiction and we'll be joined by Brendan, who's a member of Gamblers Anonymous. Thanks for listening to the Living Free program today. And to take us out, uh, I've got a song called uh, Pleasure and Pain by the Divinals. Mm-hmm.